Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. My guest this week is a good friend of mine, and he is the live trading director for the biggest offshore bookmaker when it comes to U.S. sports in the world today. One of the sharpest guys in the business. Please welcome Ray Marino. Ray, thanks for coming on, bud. What's happening, Spanky? Nothing much, brother. <laughs> Nothing much, man. I appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, so, no um, thank you, brother. So let's start off. I always like to start off every interview to try to get a little bit of a profile, and then we can go into the weeds a little bit. How was life growing up? Uh, I mean, I lived in New Orleans. Uh, just uh, just scrapping to get by, whatever it took. Um, you know, both my parents died at a fairly when I was fairly young, when I was 17 years old. They uh, died eight months apart, and I had a little brother that was uh, four years younger than me. So we uh, we had to grow up quick. Um, so I worked some six to ten dollar hour jobs just to try to make ends meet, and uh, started uh, taking up, started reading poker books and getting to that sort of thing. And when I turned 18, 19, I was in the pool halls, hustling pool games and poker games in the back of the pool hall and took it from there to the casinos and house games and whatever. And just trying to scrap out a scrap out a living playing poker is how it all started. So was gambling always part of your culture growing up? Or was it always there? Yeah. Gambling was always something I was going to do one way or the other. I was going to go broke gambling or I was going to find a way to be successful gambling. Um, my dad had a bad idea that by letting me make $5.50 bets as a 10-year-old and 11-year-old that I would get a taste of the losing and lose an interest in it. And he just woke up a sleeping giant, I think, because um, it just didn't go down that way. <laughs> you know, I did lose. I did lose, but it sure didn't make me lose an interest in it. <laughs> oh, man. So that's great. So you're betting the bare minimum, laying 110, and you're realizing there's juice involved. When did it, when did it hit that the house wins and it's so hard to flip the house? <laughs> I mean, I think in the back of my mind, I always knew, you know, as a, even, even as an 11 or 12-year-old, but um, I think you're always naive enough to think you know more than everybody else and that you have a way to um, – that. What I, what I think's right, you know, and um, I certainly found out the hard way that wasn't the case from all the way from 12 years old to 18 or 19, 20, for sure. I was um, I was a coin flipper like everybody else, you know, at the time. So how did you wisen up? What happens now? You know, you know, you, you, it's a tough, that's a rough hand to get dealt. Both parents dying eight months apart. What makes you wisen up? To just, to just, you know, you have to. <sighs> combination of a couple things i guess in the pool hall i actually met some fairly smart older guys that kind of talked some sense in my head about different little ways to find you know to to shorten to shorten the house's edge you know with the nfl and whatnot as far as just knowing the values of points and different and different things and that helped me out a little bit it got me a little closer to break even but uh it sure wasn't enough in and of itself. Um, so I was to a point where even though I had a passion for it, that 
sports just wasn't going to be me because I, I just couldn't win long term. Whereas the poker, especially at that time, that was 20, over 20 years ago, 20 to 25 years ago. It was, um, it was pretty sweet. And I read some books on that and I had a, um, a little more mathematically inclined than the average person. I wouldn't call it math as much as arithmetic is really my strong suit is just simple, simple math, simple, quick math. But, um, so poker's where I really started making money and it was mostly in the pool halls or little house games. Or then once I turned 21, hitting the casinos and just getting involved in poker is where it really started. So you get your first test taste of success playing poker. Um, how, do, how does that feel now? Do you realize, hey, listen, I could do this as a full-time living. What are you doing you know, to supplement your income, or are you just gambling full-time then? Well, at that point, that's when I started, I started driving a cab at about 22, 23 years old, which was a perfect job for somebody aspiring to be a gambler because uh, if you go broke, you just push the cab and make more money. And if you have money, you just paid the rent in the cab. You didn't have to drive it. That's the way it was in New Orleans. At least you just paid rent in the cab. You didn't have set hours. You could work 20 hours a day. If you wanted, you could work zero hours as long as you paid the rent. So um, being a cab driver kind of helped my gambling career along indirectly, I guess. Uh, but um I uh, met a couple other guys that were involved in beating these, uh, beating slot machines. They had these bonus machines back 25 years ago. So I guess they still have them up to today, just not as much, but um, these cherry pies and different little things. And <laughs> so we would go hustle slot machines and uh, long story short at the Beau Rivage, I hit a slot machine for 40,000 uh, back when I had $2,000 in my pocket. And this was in 2003. And, uh, at the time, all I was doing was grinding poker and, and grinding these slot machines. And I actually was playing a machine I had no business playing. It was a $5 machine, but I had a bad poker session. My nose was bleeding, and I saw a machine that was that was right. So I played it and got lucky and hit it for 43000 So, um Which machine was it? It was a good times machine. It was probably, oh, yeah. the, it was probably the highest variance uh bonus machine it was um i'm still don't even know for sure to this day that they were actually profitable plays we we're going by what people told us um but um it was on the highest level so i said well i'm gonna play it and i stuck a couple hundred dollars in the machine and about three pulls in i hit it for the second highest jackpot and um decided right then i was moving to las vegas i was paying off a few debts and taking a rest and going to vegas to go play professional poker for the rest of my life holy shit man that's crazy how th the butterfly effect you don't hit that machine you know who knows we're even talking right now there's just no telling where i'm at right you know, now yeah no it's no time i'd still be pushing a cab who knows might be pushing uber now <laughs> <laughs> like to believe i'd have figured out something else <laughs> yeah, yeah of course. You know? but, um, who knows you know uh so, um, yes, yeah, so that's, that took me to Vegas. That was my dream. I wanted to go live in Vegas and play with the big boys. And, and, uh, I could have definitely been a successful grinding out poker player, at least for the first few years. I don't know if I could beat the games anymore. The games have gotten so tough, but, um, I actually met some young guys there that were playing poker at the time and aspiring to be professional gamblers, um, professional, uh, sports gamblers. And, uh, I was I was dabbling some at the time, and at that point, I was closer to a break-even sports gambler, I think. I don't think I was winning, but I definitely had more right ideas than the average person trying, and uh, I was doing a lot of Arbin at the time, and 
just to, just to make some extra money. And the guy asked, he asked me, um, do you have a couple of accounts? I said, yeah, I've got some accounts to plan. He goes, cause I've just built this NBA database and I'm, I'm sure I can beat these NBA quarters to death. I said, okay. So I gave him the accounts and just took a piece of what he was doing. And, uh, he just was winning at an alarming rate. Now this is, this stuff was weak back, you know, and this was 2000, I guess this was 2005 now and all this stuff, all these derivative markets were really weak at the time. And we really beat these markets to death. And at this point I realized as a guy, I just wanted to get involved with it one way or the other, because he was certainly smarter than me and had a lot of uh, ambition, if you will. And uh, had a lot of same interest I had and, just so happened a couple of days later, he said he was going to go full time and wanted to know if I wanted to be a partner. And um, that's when we started doing that. We started gambling professionally on uh, sports and gave up the uh, gave up the whole poker world. Wow. So that's great. So, you know, back then the quarters, a lot of people would make these quarter lines. We'll just divide the full game total by four. That's basically what was going on. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you had, there was good total splits. There was good side splits. The fourth quarter dogs were obviously really good. The first quarter favorites were good. Um, second at the time, now this has changed, I'm sure, but at the time, first quarter overs were good and generally second quarter unders were good. I think it had something to do with the way the, how the teams played their starters and, and backups back then, but for whatever reason, those splits have changed now, and they're closer to 50-50 first and second quarter now. I don't know what the exact reason is behind it because I don't really dabble in it a whole lot anymore, but I have noticed that. But at the time, first and second quarter uh, splits were definitely a, a decent amount different, and they were usually you were usually getting the same price. It wasn't big, big edges, but they were edges. So back, you know, even today, you know, there's a lot of cross uh, – interest from poker to sports you know usually guys are playing poker they want to get into sports betting and uh, sports bettors play poker did, did, was that prevalent back then is it still today why do you what do you see exactly around there i think so yeah i, th I think so um if it's it's all correlated to game you know everybody likes to if you like to gamble you like to gamble and if you um and the skill sets are semi-similar you know you definitely have to have a you have to at least have some mathematical ability it don't have to be extreme but you have to have some mathematical ability and some ability to think logically you know and um so from them uh, from those aspects they're definitely the same you know, there's definitely a lot of similarities perfect so now you just you decide to go full-time now and um and and you give up poker completely or you're still playing cards here and there gave up poker completely um we actually the same crew we actually were playing uh online poker for a while we found a way to beat the uh the sit and goes for a while we were just running hundreds of those a day but um from there we took it to the uh to the sports gambling and once we got into the sports gambling yeah we just went full blast with the sports gambling it started off with the smaller markets correlated parlays all the little cherry stuff that barely exist anymore you had sites taking soccer parlays or whatever you know to the to the drawing under and you had the you had some sites taking hockey parlays, you know, puck line parlays and run line parlays and baseball and whatnot. And the, the big correlations in football, the minus 10 and a halves to the over, you know, 24 and a halves and whatnot. And so for the first year, that's basically how we made most of our money. Team totals, all the derivative markets. Mm -hmm. um, we had databases, we had a database full of, full of uh, past 
past game histories uh, served you well, you know, and you could come up with some pretty, pretty close numbers to what the actual number should be as opposed to what the books were offering at the time. Now, back then, getting data was pretty hard. You know, we're talking 0506, you're saying? You know, I, you know I, I, I had to buy my data from a guy out in Vegas when I was there. This was 99, 2000. Um, did you guys buy your data? Was it hard to get? Did you build it yourself? I want to say um, he built it himself. Um, we started buying data, some data later on as we advanced. But in the beginning, I think this was, uh, I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure he built it from scratch, him and another guy. I think they did all the work, and they did it all by hand as well, I think, at the time. I'm sure they scraped some stuff, but it was it was a lot more tedious a process than it is now. Absolutely. Yeah, especially when you're talking team totals, that data, you know what I mean, that was really hard to get. Uh, you have well, to no, it's all you hit. Well, the thing is, as long as you are getting – all the box scores, you know, you need yeah. to get all the box scores. That's, you it, know? Yeah. that's all you really need for it. And then, uh, you know, as long as you're getting, uh, closing line data and, and then the box scores. So this is great. So, so, so what, what now you're betting in Vegas, how long does staying in Vegas last, uh, with, when it comes to the betting? We were there from, let's, I moved to Vegas in 2003 and the first year and a half or two was strictly poker thought that was my dream life and found out quickly that was more work than I, I was finding myself getting out of the poker room after three hour days, four hour days. If I was up X amount of money, I'd just call it a day. And long story short, I knew it was something now I didn't want to do for the rest of my life. And that's when I met this guy and uh, he was doing more along the lines of what I really did want to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I guess we, were, we started gambling in 2005 on the sports and all the way up until 2013, to the end of two, to the March of 2013 is when um I made my next move. Gotcha. So how does that opportunity arise? You just, just you know. Well, you know, we um over the course of time, we uh you know after the first year or two where we were just beating derivative markets, you know, we built a pretty big bankroll and derivative markets became uh you know, small stuff. So we started doing some real work to start beating some of the bigger markets, some of the mainstream markets, you know, some of the, uh, mostly football. Football's where we, at the time, had the biggest edge. I think we were factoring things in that the market wasn't or doing a better job of factoring things in that, uh, that the market wasn't. And for a while, especially totals, we had a pretty big edge on uh, versus, the clo versus even closers, I think, at that time. I don't think that's a lot tougher now, but... Um, uh, and so we're just developing outs and getting more and more outs from different people that were giving us accounts. And, uh, between that and had a couple of guys in Vegas running around and, um, started taking on a bit, the, the real markets, you know, and did that for years, did that till 2013. What makes you decide then to move down to Costa Rica? Well, as you know, uh, it's uh, the gambling world is a tough world, and it's frowned upon. Um, and uh, it's frowned upon the states not as much now as it was back when when we decided to make the move to try something different. But um, it's just tough to move money around and to do the different things you need to do to um, to do this successfully. And uh, ran into some small gray area problems here and there, and. Uh, 
developed a relationship, really good relationship with, uh, with the, um, CEO of, uh, bookmaker. And, um, he asked us to make a trip down and he had a proposition for us. So, um, we, we went down there and talked to him and decided, uh, we were going to share all our knowledge with him and try to make bookmaker a better company. Beautiful, beautiful stuff, man. I love it. Um, and I remember the time that, 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 that bookmaker changed, you know, bookmaker was always such a solid company, but I remember when, um, you know, it, it was because of, you know, you guys that, you know, there was no longer phone betting, you know, or, or you know, <laughs> they were certainly behind the times. Um, yeah. They were certainly behind the times. They still had the old, they had the old monitors, you know, the, the whatever you call them, the ones with the big backs. You know? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. These, I don't even know what they called. They had these uh, eight and ten inch TV screens. They were used to watch games. It was scary, you know. And yeah, <laughs> at the time, you know, it was a, it was mostly a phone business then, and yep. they were constantly getting double popped and triple popped by syndicates because they didn't have an auto mover at the time, and that's something that we implemented and. And other things that uh, to make it the company it is now, you know, which we still got a long ways to go, but but we're constantly trying to get better. Beautiful. So what I want to do now, Ray, if it's cool with you, I want to kind of like talk about, uh, you know, the life cycle of a sports betting line because this is, you know, there might be a lot of bookmakers listening, even betters, whoever it is, they're going to listen to this. You know, guys who are aspiring to become bookmakers or people that want to better their business. And guys like you who are, you know, in the upper, if the, the top of the, of, of the totem pole here, you guys are the best of the best. So I think that maybe if you, you don't mind sharing some knowledge on what you guys, and again, it's not like it, it's the, the recipe has to be followed exactly, but it's just what makes you guys so successful. And maybe, you know, someone could pick up something here or there, um, if that's all right with you. Well, I mean, believe it or not, we don't do much work at all when it, um, when it comes to that. It's... Um what we basically have is three or four paid guys that give us their numbers. So let's take football, for example, um, gotcha. football Sunday, you know, Sunday before the, um, before the next week, we have three or four guys that give us their numbers, literally give us their numbers, give us a little information about what well, might be three, if this quarterback's playing, but if this, if, if he plays and it, then it's six, if it, or whatever the case, you know, so we've got, you know, three to four guys that give us numbers we basically take those numbers with maybe a little opinion that we have and start with a number. That number actually goes to a guy that we give the numbers to, and he's got the opportunity to bet them and then give us his number. This is before it hits the, the actual market now. This is just one guy we give the numbers to. He looks at them, makes a few bets, gives us his numbers. Then from there, we take those numbers, and that's our opening number. We take that number, and we stick it on the board. And we start at small limits and people bet and we move the numbers accordingly. So that until we find, until we get the number that's, that the market agrees is the right number. You know, one of the big misconceptions is that, uh, you know, bookmakers, they knew this number, they know that number. We don't know shit. You know, we know, we know math a little bit, but you know, the, the betting market makes the number, you know, there's no trap games. There's no, there's no secrets. You know, it's just, we put a number out there. You bet it. We moved the number. You bet it again. We moved the number again. You bet the other side. We moved the number back this way. It's it's really that simple, you know. And uh, people like to overcomplicate it, but it's it's really not a complicated thing. I love this. This is this is this is so awesome, now. So so, 
you know, three or four guys, paid guys, they don't, obviously none of them know each other, or maybe they might have, probably not though, right? And I think you, no, but it, it would be possible, but I don't yeah, think so. Gotcha. So, so you know, and, and do they bet or they just give you their numbers, you just pay them for their numbers? Or do they get you a know, chance to bet? That they don't, those guys do not bet those openers. No, they don't bet with us. They don't bet. Now, they it, could, it, I mean, if they could have an account for all I know and we didn't bet it, but I mean, we'd be really in trouble if that was the case, if they were giving us bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you have three or four. You don't have one, obviously. Right, right. Yeah, you have three or four. So now you have three or four guys, they give you their numbers. Now, is it different for every sport? Like, you know, uh -huh. yes. So everything, everything's different. Now, given what are the advantages of giving somebody a first crack meaning before you hang the number up for the public to bet it you know what are the advantages of giving one two five ten guys first crack at the number versus you just hang it up there after you get it from the initial guys and letting them just go to town and whatever happens well, i think one of the big advantages we have it's a, it might not work out the same for everybody but it's a fairly unique situation where the guy that we're giving these numbers to he's a really smart guy to begin with he is a winner and he doesn't need a really big bet to satisfy his appetite. So we kind of get the best of both worlds. So what we're doing there is we're kind of getting information at a little cheaper price than we would if we threw it out to the open market. So um, I, th I think it's just a, I don't, I don't know if that would be the best recipe for everybody, but it's a kind of unique situation that works out pretty well for us. So um, we get a really sh sharp bet at us at a price that's not, you know, at an, at an amount that, that's easily to absorb. Plus, he'll give you his number even if he doesn't take a bet. If he thinks your number is Correct. great, he'll just give you his number also. Correct. So that's, that's like a free piece of information. Correct. Now, it, that's for college football. Let's just say other sports. Um, what you know? Do you have a guy like that for every sport? Or no, no. Some sports we're um, you know, for, let's see. Uh, yeah, I guess baseball we do. We have this, we have three or four guys. One or two of them might be the same as the guys that give the NFL and the college football. One or two of them might be different guys. Um, we have uh, same for the NBA. All the big sports, all the big U.S. sports. The smaller the sport, the less likely we are to have something. We might we might have to uh, actually see what the market's got and throw a number up and just trade from there. Um, because we don't have people for every sport. We had somebody for arena football, I think. I think we had one guy for arena football, and we were doing that. Um, but uh, – and then a few things, I think we just put our own stuff up. Some of the soccer, some of the Costa Rica soccer, we might try to do our own work somewhat. But um, it's nice to have as many opinions as possible before you get a – before you put a number up to the open market. But the less – the less um, proud you are of your number, then the, the lower the limit you start. And let the bet market mold the number. You can start with any number if you start with the right limits. You, you can get to the right point quick enough and, and then raise your limits once you know you got a number that's a little more reasonable. How about small markets and prop markets? What do you do with that? Uh, we've got, you know, we're more vulnerable there. <laughs> yeah, definitely more vulnerable there. Yeah. Um, fortunately, you know, the limits, limit, are lower. You know, yeah. the limits are lower, so you don't have a lot of assassins going after that stuff. But um, that stuff's tough. You know, we've got, we've got the same types of databases that my crew was using back 10 years ago, 12 years ago to gamble. We're using those now to create lines, you know, but maybe some of our stuff's a little outdated, but we're trying to advance and we keep refreshing the data. And, you know, but we have guys that just, just uh, look at the same type of data that we were using to, 
to make the bets at the time and um and put numbers up based on that and i think they're reasonable but there's holes especially with some team biases that we're not aware of here and there i'm sure we get caught in some spots but um yeah it's just basically all all that's just basically derivative work just data work you know based on the game line in total how often you have this these initial three or four guys um that you're given the number to how, does that has that rotation um changed over the years do you drop a guy add a guy have they been the same guys or you yeah know- i would say it's pretty equivalent to um to say you owned a business and you had four or five guys working for you over the course of time, you'd one would quit or one would you'd fire one for whatever reason and pick up another one. It's about the same concept. I'd say we've probably had eight or nine different guys in the time I've been, I've been a part of the company and always about four at a time. So we've, we've had a couple quit, couple we decided we didn't want their numbers anymore for whatever reason whether they were just inconsistent with coming with not coming with them in time or whatever the case you know but um maybe they wanted more money i'm not sure you know but uh there's been a little turnaround what kind of discrepancies are we talking about between the four guys you know how (laughs) can some of these numbers be yeah one game might be four four and a half five six one game might be Six, three, eleven, you know, <laughs> fourteen, and so you're like, what the fuck do I put up here? You know. <laughs> and, uh, so you yeah. know that those are the ones where it's really nice to have that extra bit of info where you give it to a guy and he bets it, and he might even say, I want that again. What's your new number? I'll bet it again. You know, and um, we even given that. You know, we move it a couple points, and he's got the option to bet it again. Sometimes, once in a while, he'll take that option up and bet it again. We give him X amount. And, once in a while, we get to t- twice, you know. Gotcha. So this is great. So, okay. So, so we, we now know how the number's created. You hang up the number. Now, you know, and, and, and like you said, it's not rocket science. You deal it to a few guys early on. They get their cracks in. But when that number is hung up for the public to see, it's already been massaged by very respectable people. Sure. Not That does not mean it's not vulnerable. It's certainly still vulnerable. Oh, absolutely. But it's... But it's um, it's had some, uh, it's been touched up some, you know. Of course, it's not just a, it's just it's not a pure uh, dart at the wall at that point, you know. It's it's had some, uh, it's had some work done to it. Would it be a safe comment to make to say that the opener is stronger than it's ever been, though? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, now, I think the closes also stronger than it's ever been you know i think there's just a lot a lot more sharp syndicates and people out there that are doing really good work and i think that closing line in your big markets any market where it's a where people are taking five figure bets or higher that closing number is pretty strong (laughs) yeah it's a tough number to beat you know absolutely okay so let's talk about uh, okay so the line is hung now now the world is at it you know obviously you're moving different uh, depending on player profile, how do you profile players? What goes into that? What are the factors that the parameters that are used to profile a guy? I think the biggest parameter, you know, is um, is how they do versus the the closing line. How is their number versus the closer? Because um, I think that's the most predictive factor in determining whether or not somebody's going to win going forward. Now you can make a case that once a guy's got eight to ten thousand bets under his belt with you that now the result may come may become a little more uh 
of a uh, whatever the word of, of a predict of a predictor of whether or not he can win going forward or not. But um, for the first thousand, two thousand, three thousand bets, I think the uh, I think how they do versus the closer um, because it because there's so many things involved. You know, it shows how savvy a better is if he's always getting the best number to begin with. Um, but if you're laying four and the line closes six and a half, seven, you know, you're just going to be a long-term winner. Um, it just is what it is. Because like I said, that closing number is pretty strong. You know, there's a little bit of manipulation here and there, but in general, at the end of the day, that closing line is a pretty solid number these days. So if you're constantly getting the best of that number, you know, you're, um, you're one of the few that, that can probably win at this long term. Beautiful. So, you know, Give in your system, you're going to profile a guy different per sport. It's not going to just be per you know per customer. The guy might be great for college football, but then you know when it comes to you know college basketball, he might not be as good or whatever, vice that's versa. Definitely one of the great. That's one of the big debates we constantly have. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer that a winning gambler is a winning gambler. If he has the logic to be a winning gambler, he's more than, if he can win at sport A, he's more than likely going to win at sport B. Obviously there's exceptions. Obviously some people do have their strong suits as a whole, but it, to me, it's, it boils down so much to how you think as a gambler knowing the little things it takes to winning that I don't think there's a big difference between sport and sport. Um, and like I said, there's real exceptions. Like we have a guy and I think that goes for pregame and live as well. Whereas if, if you know how to win, you know how to win. Now, at the same time, we've got a guy, I've got a guy that he's probably the most fundamental better in the sports business. He's top five for sure. And he's certainly a winner pregame. But live, he literally loses. He loses the theoretical hold. And the reason he does is because he doesn't put any effort into whether or not he's making winning bets live. All he's doing is cleaning up his pregame positions. He's, and when, it, when, it's, when it's something that matches a position that he might have too much on pregame, he just blindly comes back and bets the other way. So those are the exception. that's an, an extreme exception where he's, a, he's clearly a pregame winning better, but live he's, he's clearly a losing better because he's not truly trying to, to beat the number. All he's doing is just cleaning up a position that he might have that might be too long one way or the other. Gotcha. But I debate, I debate the traders all the time. I believe a gambler is a gambler. And like I said, you can show it. And it's tricky because you almost never have enough samples to know for sure. Oh, well, yeah, he's, he's, um, he's good at college basketball, but he's terrible at college football. Um, to me, until you've got thousands of samples, you truly don't know that. So I just think it's better to take the whole ball of wax, put it together and let's see what he's got now and, and use that as your biggest, uh, Decide, you know, to, that should determine whether or not he's a winning gambler, not just the whole nine yards. Now, you know, you might have some things where, all right, well, he's maybe if he bets on the presidential election, maybe you might want to forget that. He's a great gambler, you know, a sports gambler, but he might just be betting the presidential election just for kicks. So it might be betting some other big event for kicks. But in general, to me, a winning gambler is a winning gambler. They, they've figured out how to do it. Now, how about like NFL, though, for example? You know, how, the, the more efficient a market, are you going to respect the guy given, you know, college basketball versus the NFL? Um, you're not moving the exact percentage-wise. No for- doubt. No, no. The NFL market's obviously a lot more stable market. Um, and uh, a guy that uh, – now, see, we've, we're talking about two different things. Um, 
if a guy's willing to bet all the different sports and he's a winning gambler, I'm talking, we're talking about just the elite, the top one, two percent that can win at this. Um, I think if they're betting all the sports, more than likely they're going to win in all the sports. Now, their edge might be greater in college basketball. There's bigger, there's bigger holes in, in a college basketball line than there is in an NFL football line. But um, if he's a winner, it's because he can quantify his edge. So he might not make as many football bets because he realizes his edge isn't as big there. Um, but if he makes it, more than likely he's probably still got an edge there. But um, it might not be as big as the, the edges in the, in the college basketball game. And, of course, yeah, we definitely move harder on, on you know, college basketball bets and college basketball totals especially than we would on an NFL game that's 20 minutes to post. Perfect. I love it. Okay, let's talk about an odd screen. Um, are you guys, you know, you, you guys are on odd screens. You have odd screens. Are you looking at odd screens or are you just using, are you using it as a reference we look at them and we know they're there and every now and then we pick up a thing or two. Like in other words, uh, a market may be painted seven across the board in a football game. And all of a sudden some Joe Bo place goes to six and a half. To me, that means a lot more than if I would have, than if our shop would have go to six and a half in that spot. Um, why did this Joe Blow place out of the blue go to six and a half? And to me, that means there's a syndicate out there quietly starting to get down, you know, in some of the quiet markets and this thing's got a really good chance to blow. It's not always correct, but that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons I use it. Um, and yeah, we're conscious of where other places are because we don't want to go out our way putting up scalps if we can avoid it um, with, with our big competition, you know, with pinnacles and a, the grandes of the world and whatnot. I'm not, we're not, I mean, we'll, we'll be scalpable if we have to be, but if I can avoid being scalpable, there's no reason not, there's no reason to offer a scalp on something if we can get the same bet at three to four cents better. Gotcha. How about injuries? Um, do you rely on, <laughs> do you rely on, on like a Don Best for injuries? Rely on you for injuries, thank you. <laughs> I mean, what you do with that's just amazing. It, uh, I, I mean, just to uh, – I mean, it's just amazing how many times you're three to five minutes ahead of a dime best or even even the guys that we have. And we have about five guys that are staring at a Twitter all day long trying to gather that information and trying to get better, trying to prevent you from – you as well as others from uh, beating us to big information. And um, it's just amazing – you must have some ears out there because uh, you get your hands on information. I don't know how you do it before before we do more times than not. And, uh, it's pretty strong. Like when you when you betting something like that's let's talk about that painted seven for a second. All of a sudden you betting that painted seven one way or the other. I mean we instantly know what the fuck something's going on here. You know, he there's no reason for him to make this bet. He must know something's going to happen. And sure enough, two minutes later, fucking Tom Brady's not playing. <laughs> <laughs> whatever LeBron James isn't playing yeah. you know, he's, he's he might be out whatever the case but uh yeah, yeah no uh I appreciate it brother yeah we work hard on that stuff but yeah that's that's our edge but yeah so but like you know relying just for anybody like to rely on an injury service alone you have an own in-house injury team that's that's like you know for anybody that's that if you just rely on on a Don Best for injuries you're dead in the water, weren't you? Agree? You can't win. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, no, Twitter's faster, and you know, Don Best guys—they do their best. You know, I think. <laughs> I think I don't know if they play games or not, but I think they do their best. And um, but the bottom line is, uh, 
there's so many people out there staring down at Twitter trying to get information. I mean, we're constantly teaching our guys how to try to develop relationships with some of these beat writers and whatnot and try to dig in and try to dig and get this because we know sometimes something – this guy might not play. This guy might be questionable. We're trying to get them to dig and try to get as much as they can get, you know, and, um, you know, we've got a long way to go there, but I mean, I don't have to tell you the information market has improved so much in the last, uh, 15 years. I mean, it was 15 years ago. People might not know for a half an hour, an hour that a given studs not playing for whatever reason. Whereas today you've got a 30 second window, a minute window, at the very most, a two to three minute window, and uh, maybe you get you get maybe a couple minutes more for whatever reason. <laughs> but, uh, but in general, I mean, when we see it hit the Twitter, it's it's gone. You know, it it doesn't make it another ten minutes. Yeah, it's um, it's it, it's back then. You know, we used to call schools, and and you know, there was times in which uh, you you would call schools, and you would you know call school newspapers and. Asking you know, the sports department, you know, young college kids on, you know, how was practice today? You know what I mean? Right. Right. You call the coach, you know, we just go down the line. It just, it's, it's, if you work hard enough at it, like you said, you know, now it's a lot of beat writers, but if you work hard enough at it and if you have enough of an information network, um, you'll always find a way to get it. And like you said, all you need is, you know, if we could get 15 seconds on everything, it's gold. We're still getting five minutes, 10 minutes. Honestly, buddy, sometimes we're getting hours on some stuff. You know what I mean? That's on these lower-level schools. So it's um, it's something to be said about just working hard and, and, and you could find out, especially the smaller schools. Don't get me wrong. NFL, you know, if somebody sneezes the wrong way, everybody knows about it. But we're For talking, sure. right. you, know, college, you know, college sports. Um, information definitely doesn't travel as fast. And I don't know if it's always been the case, but it's definitely to the point now where it's the single biggest piece of – it's the easiest way to beat the given sports market now because there's so many sharp guys out there with different models and different ways to handicap games that there's really not much that's not into this market number anymore. I mean, these numbers are so much stronger. So the only thing left is something that's not factored into the market. And the most common thing now is, is an injury we don't know about or a guy that's going to play that, that wasn't going to play. So it's, it's really it's probably, you know, besides understanding math and understanding how to shop good numbers and whatnot, it's, it's gotta be the, uh, the single best way to, to beat a sports market now is just getting information before, before the rest of the world. Well, this is exactly, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because this is our exact approach. Again, I don't want to get into too much of what we do, but you know this, you know I mean? We take a top down approach where we're just, we're not trying to create a number. We're just looking for what's missing in the number. And it's so much easier that way. And, and, well, and for sure. And the good news, you don't have to anymore. You know I mean? Yeah. I can remember back, this was, now this is a whole different subject, but this is about I don't know, nine years ago. We, um, we basically bet, well, maybe, maybe it was 11 or 12 years ago for about two or three months, we literally bet baseball totals strictly based on the weather we were getting the weather everything from the barometric pressure to which way the wind was blowing to the temperatures and everything and we didn't know anything else literally didn't know anything else about what the number should be but just based on hot or cold generally speaking we um we had a really good year betting betting baseball totals because it was something that wasn't truly factored into the market at the time now the weather's factored in to the market perfectly when it when it comes to totals so it's all about finding little things that finding things that the market hasn't factored in Absolutely. and now injuries is by far the the number one thing you know it's always going to be there because that's something that's you know it always happens exactly. it always happens 
Okay, so let's talk about limits now. You know, obviously in the life cycle of a line, of a sports line, the limits are going to go up the closer you get to game time. Um, although some places like a grande, sometimes, you know, they, they discretionarily give us like a half limit when it's five minutes to post. You know, so there are times they've done that. Is there, you know, do you see merit in doing something like that? Maybe I'm, I'm happy with my position. I kind of don't want to take a full limit pop. Um, there's different schools of thought. What, what do you think? I would like never. Um, I, I'm sure their reasoning behind it is the lack of time to get off of that given position at that <laughs> point, maybe because lack of time. But to me, if you know, if your book's big enough and um, your number's been molded so good at that point that I, I don't see any reason not to take a full limit or, or whatever. You know, I would never want to drop limits for that reason. The only way I would want to drop limits is if, for whatever reason, you got new information, you know, close to posted. Maybe a player's not playing. Maybe a couple guys have the flu or whatever. If you get some new information, that would really change the number. But other than that, I don't. I wouldn't see any reason to drop limits. Um, well, if a game is circled, that's when, you know, like you said, there's a game is circled or somebody's questionable. You're gonna put you're gonna put it in the circle. You're gonna have limits decrease until you get more information, right? That's probably correct. the reason why. Correct. Now, you know, if a game is circled, some people, you know, it's such a hard thing as a bookmaker. I think a game is circled. Let's say LeBron is questionable. What do you know? You know, what do you, you know, some people want, you know, you want to put a number out there. You still want to have a market on it, but at the same time, you kind of don't want to be susceptible. You know, you don't want to be vulnerable. Um, uh, some people will kind of just keep it off until they find it out, find out, you know, perfect information. Some people want to just say, heck with it, let's just go with it. And then maybe deal a lower limit. When is the time in which you're just, you guys just going to say, listen, we're just hanging. Do you always want to have a number up no matter what? I mean, for sure. You know, I mean, obviously the exceptions are like the LeBrons of the world when you truly don't know. But even then, like I'm of the belief if if a number's going to be nine if LeBron plays and a number's going to be four if he doesn't play, um, if you think he's 50-50 to play, then put – Put six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay. now, maybe not for a full limit, for a less than a full limit, obviously, yeah. you know. But um, if you're if you're confident in your information that he's right at 50-50 at that point, we'll put up something around six and a half and go for now and put it up for a smaller limit. And because you you know, as a as a bookmaker, as a you know, your goal, no matter what, is to write bets. And if the number's not up, you're not writing bets. If you're not writing bets, you're not making money. Yeah. So um you know, you're going to get that sharp bet that might know a little more than you, but for every one sharp bet like that that you get where somebody really knows more, you, you've got the general public that's just firing, you know, and you, you want those bets. So, you know, you want to always try to get the number up. Is how, how big is the fear, given how you move a number, of getting middled? Uh, 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 you know, and by overmoving, you know, I can't it's speak an, for every trader, but I got no fear. It's an art. It's an art. Like, you know what I mean? How, how do you know how much to move to be able to get a bet at the cheapest? Well, to put it in layman's, I got the, you know, you never want to, you never want to move a number more than you have to. More than you have to, for sure. But you never want to move a, a number so much to where the next bet would be profitable versus the bet you just took. You know, both the you, you want the combination to be negative. So now with the sharpest, sharpest gamblers in the world that, um, you know, I might move to, to make math easy. Let's just talk prices right now. If, if a game was at uh, seven minus 110 
And without a lot of information, the sharpest gambler we have laid to seven minus 110. If I wanted to stay on the seven right there, I would probably want to go to like seven minus 128 and try to book a bet back at plus 08, you know, up in that area. I, I don't see any reason to ever move more than the VIG. And if you do move more than the VIG, then you're incentivizing a player to, to throw a fake at you so he can just come back and bang the other side and, and just end on, on a game he doesn't even like just to earn. So you never want to incentivize, you know, give the incentive to a guy to, to make a bet that he wouldn't normally make because he can, he can out profit off of you. So, um, but uh, as far as the actual question, as far as, you know, the more mature the market gets and the more confidence you have in your number, the less you move, no matter who's betting it at that point, you know, um, as your money's building, as your positions, you know, as you're getting money on both sides and if you know, seven's the right number. Now, now that same guy comes and lays seven, I might only move to seven minus 15. Is, is the auto mover uh, designed to move a game um, differently with the same player given the time of the week? So if Not he yet. Went, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're doing things to try to advance all this stuff. Um, but um, no, unfortunately, we're not there yet. Um, if, I, if, I lay, if I lay seven flat on a Monday for next Sunday's games versus the same day on, on game day on Sunday for that day, it's going to go to seven minus one. You know, it's going to be the same. It's going to be treated the same. It's going to be the same move. Now, the trader might be more inclined to move it back. Gotcha. Um, but he has to physically do that currently because the auto move still works the same way. Now, an auto move, how important, you know, because there's so many bookmakers, I always make this case, you know, you and Pinnacle are, are two of the, I think there's a, maybe might be one or two others, but an auto mover is, how essential is it to be able to protect yourself and to be able to just oh, keep writing business? It's a must. I mean, it's just, if you have a real book with tons of clients, it's a must, especially tons of sharp clients. Maybe it's not big if, if you wanted a 98% of the books that, that uh, cut off anybody that has a thought process, then it really don't matter for those guys. But for the pinnacles of the world, for the bookmakers of the world, for the, for the few companies out there that are truly trying to book to the world, um, you better, you, your number better move instantly when the bet comes in. Um, and before the auto mover, what was happening was groups were working together and making phone calls. And so they'd hold the number up while it was on the phone, while other people are firing online and making the bets on the same line. And so you need an auto move to, to make sure that only one person gets to bet at the, at the given price. Which is, you have to protect yourself. That, for no sure. Way. No, for sure. For sure. But you, if, if you're moving, let's just say somebody lays you seven flat, you go to seven minus a quarter, you're, you're usually probably not going to stay seven minus a quarter. You're going to go to seven and a half, maybe seven and a half, twelve, fifteen, whatever it is. The way the auto move is set up currently, mm -hmm. it is not, um, it doesn't have the ability to convert. We're working on that as well. To where it can, by convert, I mean going from, you know, if it's seven flat and then somebody comes in and moves it to seven minus a quarter, instead of it moving to seven minus a quarter, going to say seven and a half dog 15 instead. Gotcha. Uh, something along those lines. Now we're working on that. That's something we want to implement in the, in the near future, but um, it's, not, it's not quite there yet. But um, so it's up to the trader to convert. It's more important for football, obviously, because the numbers are it's, – it's a lot harder for football because the numbers, obviously, are just different values. Yeah, they're not linear like, say, yeah. basketball, where they're really mm -hmm. close to linear. Um, mm -hmm. you, know, you might have a couple points that are worth a little bit more than others, but uh, in football, you obviously have key points. Now, with all these new rule changes, the key points are becoming less and less key, you know, with the extra point getting moved back with – 
with more people make decisions now. They're going for two-point conversions a little more. So that's, uh, you know, it's strengthening the weaker numbers and weakening the, the strong numbers. But still, a three to seven is still a boss, you know. And, uh, you know, and the twos and the ones and the fours and the fives of the world still take a back seat, obviously. If, I, if, if somebody's playing a side or you're playing a middle, if I lay three flat and take plus three and a half flat, am I a long-term winner? In 2020, I think you're about break even in the NFL, and you're a long term loser in college. Gotcha, about a percent. But you're yeah. you're, you're break NFL, I think you're about break even. Whereas ten years ago, without this, without the uh, the the, missed, the the extra point going back, um, and um, and uh, without the overtime, uh, you know, the touchdown overtime ending the game, um, the three was stronger, wouldn't you? Agree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that would probably be that would be a piece minus three flat plus three and a half flat, right? All right. So the game starts now. What, how comfortable? How comfortable are you guys um, with respect with, on a ratio basis? How comfortable are you being lopsided to a game? Ah, oh, we're fairly comfortable. Um, but what kind of ratio? You know, what I mean, when are you like? You know, I mean. It's tricky. It's so much of it. And I guess there's two forms of being lopsided. There's just real money, just actual money, whether it comes from recreational gamblers or sharp gamblers. And then there's, you know, and then there's your sharp gambler money. Now, our goal is to always level off the sharp gambler money. Mm -hmm. You know, we want the pros to be pretty much leveled off. Now, in saying that, if then we at some point have a whale comes in and bets 10, 20 times more than that position, we certainly don't mind writing a bet or two back from the from the pros on that side. One, just for assurance that, you know, the guy's not making a good bet. And two, just to shorten the position just a tad. But um, we're way more concerned with the professional money overall than we are with the overall money. Um, just because, you know, you know, I mean, 97, 98% of these guys are going are gonna to lose long term. And as long as you've got the bankroll behind you to to deal with the, the ups and downs, you know, you want to write the bets and you don't want to give money back on the other side because you're scared of a position. Um, if you know that's the right number, that's the right number. And you have, we have all the sharpest gamblers in the world that have basically told us, Hey, this is the right number because sharp guy, a bet minus seven sharp guy B took seven and a half. So, you know, we know that number somewhere between seven and seven and a half. So at that point, uh, we don't have to move a whole lot on recreational action at that point. We don't mind building that position. As always, a, there's always a limit, you know, but in general, we, we're willing to build those positions pretty big. The CEO told me once, he says, the recreational money, he doesn't even want it in the chart. <laughs> he just wants to stick it in his pocket. You know, it's funny. We, you know, we, we debate over that all the time, and I think it's always good to see it. Um, and we talk about it, but what he doesn't want is he don't want that money influence in our, our decision-making. And, but even then up to a point, if that money gets too big, then yeah, you actually do want to see a better two on the other side. At some point there is, there's always a limit where, all right, this, this is getting, this is getting a little out of hand now. Let's, let's write a little of this back. And fortunately we're in a position where anytime we want to write something back, we can always put the right number out there to write it back. Oh, you know, we've got, enough pros out there that are just circling a circling a tank like piranha just waiting you know so um if we ever want to write x amount back we can certainly do it you know in a given spot now this leads me to my next question you know you, you, you know with, when it comes to the suckers you know you're, you're um 
you you know, do suckers ever get turned by a sharp? Or is there ever a fear of that? Where let's just say you're giving a sucker, you're not paying attention to him, you're barely moving off him, you're giving him high limits. He's a long-term loser. You're giving him double, triple, whatever house limits. Is there a time in which he gets turned and you don't find out about it until too late? It's probably not as frequent as you would think. And we've got defense mechanisms in place to where we usually do detect it pretty fast. Um, and so much of it's betting patterns with certain guys. And all of a sudden that betting pattern changes, you know, they always bet favorites, for example. And all of a sudden they come in on a couple of these, not only dogs, but dogs that really stand like, what's he playing this for? And then you start digging into it more and then you, you know, um, and then you find out, ah, oh, yeah, something's going on here. And then, but, uh, every now and then one slips through the cracks for a while and they drill us pretty good for a while. But, um, the good news is no matter who slips through the cracks these days, it's not like the number's that bad to begin with. So yeah, they might get us for a little bit, but, um, we'll usually figure it out before too much damage is done. It's not like it's just a printing press. If they do get in there for bigger limits or whatever, you know, you still, they're still gambling. The number's still reasonable, you mm -hmm. know? So it's not the end of the world, but yeah, we've, we've got the, defense mechanisms set up for it and it's get that part of our um, company's getting better as well we're, we're looking out for that because at that point you know you can't looking at the closing line the closing line you might not even move off him and he might get you know he might be getting the close itself and Absolutely. and then it's just hard and then and then to detect it is even harder and harder uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think you know Oh. No, absolutely. You've got that. And then you've got some of these smart guys that actually manipulate numbers, move it one way to try to get the market to go in a certain direction. Uh, which those, those guys don't exist. They exist. <laughs> <laughs> they exist. You know, now we're in one of the fortunate spots where uh, we're, one of the in, we're one of the main markets that influence the market. So, um, so we do get manipulated some, but what's the difference? All we do is take a bet and move the number anyway. So, um, at the end of the day, you know, we're just writing another bet and then, or maybe we moved a number the wrong way because the guy bet the wrong side, but what's the difference? So they come back and bet it and we move it back. So all we just did was take two more bets. Mm -hmm. So um, at the end of the day, I, I, I have no issue with it. We always like to know what the true smart guys think. And sometimes we get tricked a little bit, but um, at the end of the day, we're just writing bets and I don't have an issue with it. You know? <laughs> is, is given how much you influence the world, is there ever an, a temptation or a desire to just say, you know what, let me just hang this number up, let the world copy it, and then have a betting <laughs> built <laughs> and, and essentially yep. just take advantage on, on these guys copying it? Temptation, sure. Sure, there's a temptation, but ah, we just don't do it. <laughs> you know, we just don't do it. Temptation, do we joke about it? Sometimes we talk about it. Do we realize that we have um, a ton of influence in the market? Absolutely. Um, but I think besides integrity, um, I think one of the – I think it's a lot more difficult. It's a lot more work than you think to – to do that stuff and whatnot. So, you know, we've got such a great business by just putting a number up there that we think the number should be and take a bat, move the number that there's just no point in complicating it. Oh no, hundred percent. But when you say integrity, there's nothing wrong. You, you move a number and somebody else copying, you're not doing anything wrong. That's no, your, for sure. No, yeah. for sure. For sure. Them copying it. They're the ones that are put, they're putting themselves in, in a vulnerable. Oh, they're definitely putting themselves in a position where they could get hung out to dry. That's for sure. I don't think there's an integrity issue on your part. I just think, you know what I mean? It just, it just, that's how it is. Right. Uh, just a lot of work. It would be a lot of work to do it, you know, and, uh, 
it uh, we talk about it some we talk about it <laughs> so much we could have. like one of the things i'd like to do is um i wish the dime best screen would go away yeah i'm just done with the dime best screen um it would cause us a lot more work but it would cause our competition 20 times more work oh yeah well yeah you, you know, guys um, Listen, the CEO told me, he goes, he doesn't even, like, not, not also, he doesn't want looking at big bets. You don't even need to look at the down bet. You don't need to look at the non screen. Let's face it. Well, uh, we don't because you know, all we can do is manage our positions. You know, we really don't you're have actually, to. You're a, you're a bookmaker. Right. You book. So you're looking no, at sure. your chart. You're not, you don't need to see what the market is because you are the market. They look at no. you. You don't look at them. You don't really need to. Okay, sure, you might hang up a scalp or pinnacle every now and again. But you know what? It'll, it'll, it'll all manage itself. It's not, like you said, you're writing bets. So well, yeah, we're talking potatoes. Yeah, we're talking two cents, three cents here. It doesn't really matter, right? You yeah. yeah, no, we definitely don't need – we're not dependent on the screen, that's for sure. Absolutely. I think we look at it more for a habit than we do anything else. Of course. Um, so, you know, we're conscious. And it's got the scores on it, all the scores too, you know, um, as the games are going. But um, I think it's more force a habit than it is actual needed. And it would be a small adjustment period for us if there was no screen. But we would adjust a lot faster than most of the competition because I said all we have to do is just book like an independent book like we do now and just manage our positions and it's all going to work out for us. Yeah, it's 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 gonna work out for you guys, and 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 the world will be in shambles. And obviously, I love it. You know what I mean? Because I want it. I really want it. But you know, we'll see. So, do you consider yourself an odds maker, a bookmaker, or both? What's the difference? I think we're just more. I consider myself a trader. You know, just I'm a broker. You know, just takes bets from both sides and just move the number accordingly. You know, you're a book. Um, that's a book. You're a bookmaker. That's the definition of a bookmaker. Yeah. Now, an odds maker, an odds maker is like, you know, on my, on, my, on my side of the counter, there's a handicapper and there's a better. You know, I'll always say I'm a better. I'm not a handicapper. I don't need to make a number. I just bet the numbers. Now, um, keep in mind, I'm speaking mostly from a pregame standpoint. Yes. Now, my main job, what I do live. Yeah, we're going to get say, to that. Okay. Yeah, we're going to get to the live point because I just wanted to just, just see what you, before I get into the live, on what you classify yourself as. Right. Well, from a pregame standpoint, strictly a trader, you know, strictly a broker of bets. Live's a little different. <laughs> live, I might, uh, I might think a little highly of myself with the, with the live markets. You know, I might take some, uh, I might uh, be a little more aggressive at times there because there's, it's just a whole different market currently. It's molded and stronger, but... All right, so, so the game now starts. Okay, the game goes off. You're comfortable being lopsided. You're happy. Okay, when you start trading live, what factors come into the first? You know, you're obviously the number starts off with the closing line, right? So we're starting off with the closing line. Is your pregame chart influencing your live line in any way? Zero. Zero. So you, you, you're not, you're not going to book your pregame chart. It's whatever is happening in the game. Is the, is the closing line influencing it exclusively or is the game happening or the, 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 the it's, both. it's both the closing lines your starting point you know it's gotcha. it's where you start and then from there all kind of factors come into play at that point it's just a ton of moving parts from then from that now, point you know? now is it just the closing line or is it also just the approach from the opener to the closer so you know if a, a game opens six and a half close seven different than if a game opens four closes seven is that factored in um, if a game opens four and closes seven, then you can then 
the favorite is the sharper side more than likely at that point. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm conscious of it. I don't think it, I don't think it uh, plays a big deal into what goes into the number. I'm conscious of it pregame and I might start out a nut hair higher because of that, but um, it doesn't influence me much. What causes now, do you guys have models built um, and, and you're, you know, can the game be traded live? Are you confident trading a game live without a human element at this point? Without a human element? Yeah, without a guy managing it. Absolutely not. I don't think. No, no, no. I think you have to have the human element live. Um, uh, we have models for most of the sports, but you can never factor everything need everything that's going on into a model. I say you never can. There's a couple people out there that maybe can now. We can't. <laughs> you know, um, there's a group that beats us to just to death and alive. But I also use their bets to influence my number. You know, more so than any other bets that come in. But um, no, nah, I. I for a, for a shop like ours, no, there's got to be a human element involved. There's always things going on. It's so always give me an example. What's an example that the human could do that the computer can't? Um, I, you know, <laughs> theoretically, anything can be programmed. Mm -hmm. If you put enough into the program, then theoretically, it could come to a point where you didn't need a human. I, I, I don't want to go that far because that kind of eliminates me from the spectrum. Of no, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> no, we're not trying to limit. Well, I'm saying, but, but, you, but if you help design that program or if you help design that model, because you're, you know, the computer has to be taught. It just doesn't do it by itself. You so, can definitely get it a lot closer, but obviously injuries come into play. Mm -hmm. um, even momentum, you can factor, you can figure a way to program that somewhat. Um, but injuries, um, Dependent on how deep your program is, there's team biases. Like all, all sevens and forty fours aren't created equally. Like when uh, when Tom Brady's a or Aaron Rodgers is a seven point favorite and he gets down ten, he's probably still a little has a little better chance to come back from that than when um when uh, Mitch Trubisky's a seven point favorite against whoever he's a favorite against a seven point favorite. And they're uh, seven in total of 44. When he gets down 10, he's probably less likely to come back. Mahomes more likely to come back in that spot. Um, so like all sevens and 44s aren't quite created equally. You know, there's, there's little things to factor in and that can be programmed as well, but you got to go into more and more and more layers. And we are certainly not there without programming. Um, there are guys out there that are at least, one group I don't know for sure, but, uh, but, um, it's, you know, but for now we definitely still need a human element to, uh, to factor in little things that even, even your positions, which obviously that's another thing, theoretically you could program, you know, to manage positions as well, but we're not there yet either. <laughs> you know, we haven't gotten that far either. Any, any, you know, as well as, you know, you know, as well as anybody that, um, pretty much anything can be, programmed if you put the right stuff into it um but um a lot of the, this live football it's got just so many moving parts it's just difficult to program everything and that's involved just understanding like some teams might just be more willing to go for two in spots than other teams or some teams are going to go forward and forth down where where these teams won't and those little things definitely play a, a big factor in the total. It might not make a big, big difference in the spread because the decision's close. But if you know one team tends to go for it in this spot, one team tends to punt in this spot, it definitely makes a pretty big difference in the total.
in a given time. Gotcha. So, you know, it, we don't really do the live, but I, the people that do the live, is it, is it, you know, because given the delays, a lot of people put a little, even if it's a two, three second delay, whatever it is, it just makes it a lot harder to, you know, as a better, you know, and there's a, it's just a higher straddle, obviously the delays are there. It's harder to win. So, do, you know, if you're betting live as a better, um, would you recommend doing it only during a commercial or doing it during like a long time out? Generally speaking, like yes. Generally speaking, if I had it my way, we wouldn't even offer lines during the in progress of play. It's only competition that has kind of forced us to um, to offer lines in progress. You know, while the game's going on, it opens up so many. It opens up so many problems. Um, if your feeds slow at all, you know, we talking about from the betters end having a delay, but even. Even us, I mean, we get feed sometimes at a 10, 15, 20 seconds slower in real time. And so you got a choice. You can either put the line up with a big delay or you can not put the line up. Or, you know, you're in a tough spot. So what we choose to do is put the line up in the American sports, at least. We put the line up with no delay, but super small limits. And if we know somebody's taking advantage of us and always pass posting us, then we'll, um, we'll put an extra delay on them individually. Because I know as a better that one of the most miserable experiences you can have as a better is is betting into a delay. In a perfect world, we would never have a delay on anything because it's a you, when you're sitting on the other side, you always think, boy, you know now, you know they've got an extra five seconds or six seconds or whatever the delay is. Are they picking and choosing whether or not they want this bet? Oh, I want this one. I don't want this one because I know I can't beat that. I know I can't beat somebody that's picking and choosing what bets he wants. Of course. So in a perfect world, you don't want to have a delay on anything. And there's a hole in the American sports. I've dealt. We've never had a delay on anything. Um, in the pregame, you guys don't do delays. No, there's no delays at all in pregame now. No, no, no. Now, live, like you said, the feed, might, you know, if I'm sitting at the game and you're 20 seconds behind, you can't win. No, I'm, I've got I'm, no shot. Right. You've got no shot. If I'm at the so, game – when no we way. see it and we know it, all we all we can do is put that player on a delay. You know, That's now, right. like I said, my perfect world, there'd be no such thing as in progress betting for the American sports. I get soccer, you got to leave the lineup, or else you'd never have a lineup. You know, hockey, I can see. You know, there's a case for always having a lineup. But in my opinion, football should only go up there in timeouts, commercials, change of possession. Um, basketball should only go up there in timeouts. There's plenty enough betting opportunities. Every three minutes, every four minutes, you're putting up a new line. But unfortunately, to keep up with the competition around who's used these bullshit third-party products and kicks out everybody that has any form of a thought process, you know, uh, in order to get the recreational gamblers, we have to offer that because all the other books do. But they just don't offer it to the sharp gamblers because they don't offer bets to the sharp gamblers. So it kind of puts us a little bit behind the eight ball there. But um, but um, for now, the American sports, they have no delay. Um, if we go to the soup, to the in progress, well, I have to put a small delay on the in progress at some point, possibly. But I'm really doing everything in my power not to do that because um, betting into a delay is miserable. Absolutely. There's places that are that, that regulated sports books in America that, that, that put guys on the lays. It's just absolute. And, and, and they say, no, we don't want your, you know, $7.42 bet. It's just ridiculous. It's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. How does, you know, given you, you know, you guys are the best of the best. Um, can someone aspire to be as good as you guys? How, how, how difficult is it dealing to sharps? It's it's super difficult. Um, 
because um, in general, the sharps have more resources than we have. I mean, for the, for the given thing that they're betting on, um, you know, we, um, and at the same time, if you have enough of them, then it's not that difficult because they're fighting each other anyway. You know, as long as your number's semi-reasonable, then that's the whole point of starting at lower limits and working your way up to bigger limits. You know, by the time you get to the big limits, you know, it's, there's uh, not a lot of value out there in that current number. Little tougher and alive because we don't know what the right number is. I mean, we have an idea. We've got models and different things, but they're only programmed currently to do so much. Now, maybe we'll strengthen those at some point to where they're, they're better, but um, we have to um, rely on some pretty decent instincts, some decent um, arithmetic ability and logic, and, and then just respect the betters as well. Betters make bets, just keep moving the number. I'm, I'm wrong here, especially when I have two sharp guys bet the same side. It, it kills me live, you know. I always expect if I take a sharp bet on one side and now that number's moved, well, the next bet from a sharp's going to come the other way. And most of the time that is the case, but every now and then I have a sharp guy bet side A and then the next sharp guy comes in and bet sharp side A too. And I'm like, oh boy, I, I screwed this number up. You know, I must have, I threw a hanger here, you know, um, because they're not making bad bets, generally speaking. They only bet, they've got the gun. I'm, I'm the one with the target on my back. You know, they, they're firing only when it's good. So, so if both of those two guys bet side A, does that now, are, are you dealing, are you dealing now the game going forward, trying to get that side B action? Because you only, only instantly. It's tricky because now, you know, it's every, every time out to new games. I'm talking timeouts more than anything, though, though we're dealing the line throughout the game, throughout the game, we're dealing it for micro limits. The timeouts are when the real action comes. I might, be dealing it for for X during uh, during the game, and timeout. I might be dealing it for 30, 40, 50 times X. Um, so for that given timeout, I'm certainly pushing that number. Like when when that second sharp bet comes in that side, I'm moving it almost to full big, hoping to get a bet back the other way. Um, after that timeout, I'm certainly conscious of the side they bet, and I. But you know, it, I have to evaluate. Did did I just did I just throw a hanger here in a vacuum or, or is there something going on in this game? And my number was fine in a vacuum and there's just something going on in this game. That's making them both bet this side. And I try to determine that and then decide how much I want to influence. I want those bets to influence my number on the next time. I love it. This is so deep that the way, the way you just, you're, you're, you're breaking this down. Uh, is there a way to build, let's just say you, you have a database built where you find a guy, a live guy, keep betting you, and you look at the exact parameters of a game, uh, you know, X minutes left, this is the down in yardage and whatnot, and you, you keep finding him, he's always betting during this time. Are you building a database that, are, that is going to help enhance your model, essentially reverse engineering what your betters are doing to kind of plug the holes into what you have? I wish I could say we were there. But does but, that um, make no. sense? Would, would that oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. But it's tricky because there's so many factors. You've got to make sure that you're comparing apples to apples when you do mm -hmm. it. You know, because even though the situation's the same, it could just be different teams. It could be whatever. It could be certain team biases. It, there's so many moving parts with this. That it, it's tricky. Um, so we're not there. I currently do it. In your head. You do in it in my your head. head. Right. I'm, I'm constantly thinking, oh, boy. And if it was a, there was a time it was – two or three years ago 
I was just way too low on totals later in the game because they were just scoring more points later in the game at, at one point. And I'm like, man, why is he betting this? Why is he betting this? Why is he betting this? And then just got to the point where I realized I'm just low here. And then you start looking at past data and most recent data and like, yeah, I'm just low. I'm, I'm just lower than what the old data suggested. Now this new data is telling me, you know, they're scoring more in these positions later in the game or whatever. So, um, you know, so yeah, you, you take notice to, patterns you know you hope not to see patterns you hope that there's not many if they are you hope they're easily detectable and you can do something about it because you know you're making a real mistake if there's patterns out there people always bet in certain situations it's because it's because you're putting up a shit line <laughs> you know, at the end of the day um but yeah um I'm constantly trying to figure out, all right, why is he betting this? Why is he betting that? And it's and it gets complicated, especially with the super sharp live betters, because live betting is such a new concept. And you got guys out there, one group in particular, and he might make three or four bets on side A. And then the next time out he bets side B, but it don't even mean he thinks it's a good bet. He could just think it's it's closer to a good bet than than usual and he knows he's going to get another good bet back on the side he's been betting on the next time out you know and there's just so many variables involved in it so you just got to be tricky how you let bets influence you from some of these guys you know it's uh it's a work in progress we're learning more and more as it goes you know but um how many how many games can you you know or, or can a trader or you will ever deal live at one time can it just be one game per guy or you do well, if you're doing the whole game and you're doing everything, I think, I, you know, if you're not using a model, one game for sure. If you're using models, you can do two or three games at that point, if the, especially if like baseball where our models are pretty good and uh, we can kind of rely on it. We have to add little things here and there. Um, now, NFL Sunday's weird. Uh, it's a unique deal. I'm, I'm basically walking around with a sheet in my hand with all the closing lines and I've got about six or eight guys that are uh, – feeding me the situations as games are going to timeout. We have a model that runs our in-progress line, and then when games go to timeout, like that, we know, like, uh, this team's, you know, Buffalo's about the punt. I'm like, okay, so now I'm watching that game. As soon as that punt goes, it lands, I spit out the number. Uh, Buffalo three-and-a-half, 38-and-a-half, whatever. And then and the next situation comes up. So I'm basically – it's almost like a stock market. It's almost like the stock exchange. <laughs> I'm just firing numbers at these guys the whole time on a given uh, – on a given Sunday during the NFL, we've got one or two guys that can put up their own numbers and everybody else is basically feeding me information. And I'm, and I'm giving them the number to put up. Amazing. And are these guys live specialists or are they doing pregame stuff beforehand? No, they're strictly live. Those guys are strictly live. Um, the pregame guys still have their hands full dealing with other pregame stuff, you know? Gotcha. So um, it's their separate departments where we work close together, but they're separate departments at the end of the day. Beautiful stuff. I love it. <laughs> this is great. We could talk for hours, right? Um, you know, there's just, it, it's just, uh, you guys have so much knowledge and, and it's so, so deep on what you guys do. And it's so admirable to, you know, from my side of the counter, at least to see how you guys do it. Um, th there's so many bookmakers out there that always, you know, that, that take this quote unquote recreational model um, and just say, you know what, why do, why deal with all this? Let's just kick out the sharps and just deal to the suckers. It'll be such an easier way to do business. What do you say to that? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I get it. I get it from their, from their point of view. I get it. If you don't, 
you know, to do what we do takes a ton of resources, it takes a ton of resources. And it, you know, your business has to be built up pretty big. So I get it. I just, I think it's weak. You know, I, mean, I, think, it's, I think it's weak at the end of the day, but I get it. You would know, you, I get you, why they do it. Would you make more money dealing to just suckers? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, because um, we built our business to a point now where we beat a lot of the professionals. A lot of the professionals lose to us and beat the other guys. Gotcha. You know, because our numbers are sh a sharper number because it's been molded more and uh, we've got more information. on So we've got our guys that definitely still beat us, but we have tons of guys that don't beat us, but are long-term professional winning gamblers. So, so you, you're able to pit the pros against each other in a way to still earn to the pros. That's the goal. That's when, that's when you're doing your job as a trader. Perfect. You know, and, and, I, and, and, that, and that's, that's, the, that's the, the art of bookmaking. That's how anybody you, can beat 98% of the world. Yeah. They're just going to bet on a number one way or the other. But when you get that super sharp, the bet one side at minus 110, and you get the other guy instantly to come back on the other side at even plus 05, plus 06, and you've earned that four pennies off those guys, you feel like you've actually won. You've, you've, you've earned your money now. Now you're doing your job. You're beating, yes. you're beating the best of the best now because you know you've won there. You don't even have to wait for the result there. You won there. If one, if one guy's laying 110, another guy's taking plus 05, plus 06 in the same proposition. You just won. And then sometimes we get in spots where we're fortunate enough to have a guy lay 110 one way and a guy lay 105 the other winning gamblers. Well, one of them's not winning in that spot, you know, yeah. but, um, but long-term they're big winning gamblers. And um, that's when we're doing our job well. Ray, just one last question to close. If there's one bit of advice you could give to guys that are trying to come up in a business that are maybe semi-pro, want to turn pro, or guys that want to go semi-pro, what piece of advice would you give somebody to become a better better, to be able to cross that threshold and, and to be able to either be a long-term winner or lose less? Well, lose less parts easy. <laughs> lose less parts easy is have multiple outs and always take the best number. Um, that's going to you know, that's going to chop the VIG indirectly right out the gate. Perfect. Um, but, um, you know, just, just learn, just constantly, you just have to be willing to work really hard and understand, learn the derivative markets, learn what they mean. What's is, is minus seven for the game, a better bet than minus three and a half minus minus one fifteen in the first half, which of those two bets is the better bet? You know, you indirectly cutting the VIG that way as well. You know, um, there's so many different ways to chop into the VIG because we're not perfect on our end. We're, we put numbers up and then we move on action and eventually things get, there's, there's good bets out there based on moving on, on action that probably shouldn't have made the bets they made. So there's always the ability to make good bets the recognizing the good bets is the obvious tough part. And it just comes with a lot of be willing to lose, be willing to lose before you win, you know, and um, you better be willing to work hard. It's the hardest way to make an easy living I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. My friend Ray, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy and um, it means a lot to me, my friend. No, you got it. Anytime. Spank. Take care my friend. Wow, what an incredible interview. Ray is so full of knowledge. He knows so much about this business, and he is super, super sharp. I always mention the time I bet Floyd Mayweather to beat Conor McGregor, 
he was the one guy that told me saying, you know, Spank, I'd put a pretty decent pop on this. And he's the one guy that I respect that, you know, pushed me over the edge to, uh, to make a significant size bet. It was all because of him. Um, so, uh, and, and he, he's just, he's, he's so well respected. Anybody that's a who's who in this business knows how strong this guy is and how nice of a guy he is. He's such a nice guy. He's so humble, but he knows so much. And, um, and he's taken the company bookmaker to, uh, a level that there's, you know, the beyond their wildest dreams. And he's such a valuable asset for them. And, um, I'm proud to call him a friend. Thanks so much for the time. Until next time.